Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, Rob Kuttner returns to the show. Uh, Rob is a former writer for The Daily Show, Conan O'Brien, Teen Titans Go, and today we're talking about his brand new comic, Snot Goblins. So he's going to be at San Diego Comic-Con this Friday, signing the comics. You can find all the information for his signing on the link on our page, and we'll even direct you to it on the map. So we want to make sure you guys get out and support Rob on his new comic, Snot Goblins. Uh, Of course, the last time he was on, he was talking about his other new comic, Shrinkage, uh, which is a fantastic comic uh, about some microbes that take over the president's brain. Kind of feels like real life sometimes, but it's a lot of fun. Definitely, you guys are going to want to check this out. Snot Goblins is a comic for kids, but very, very enjoyable for adults as well. Very much in the vein of like Captain Underpants. So if you've enjoyed reading that to your kids, uh, or maybe as you were growing up reading Captain Underpants, you guys are definitely going to want to check out Snot Goblins. Uh, But yeah, it was a great time catching up with Rob. We really have not chatted much uh, since pre-COVID. Uh, So it was fun to catch up and find out everything that he has been up to. Of course, talking about Teen Titans Go, that was one of the things that he had done since we spoke last, uh, as well as a little secret Marvel project that he had had worked on as well. And yeah, just a lot of fun things that we had chatted about throughout this. Uh, His whole process of kind of going from writing from late night into animation and then into comic books. It's a whole transition and uh, a very different way of writing for each one. So it was fun to kind of learn his process and how that transition went for him. Uh, So make sure you guys listen all the way through this episode and then go find Rob Friday uh, from uh, noon to two at San Diego Comic-Con as he's signing copies of Snot Goblin. Uh, And speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, of course, we have our annual show coming up this Thursday, 1 p.m. at the Neil Morgan Auditorium. Uh, Myself, Alex Watson, Clyde Ratliff, and Christian Martin. I'm bringing a bunch of the JWAP production team down with me. We've got a bunch of really big announcements that we're very excited to share with everybody at San Diego. And if you can't make it to San Diego, don't worry. You're going to hear about it the following week when we release the podcast. Hoping that it actually records this year. But when we post that podcast, or at least on the website and on all of our social media, all of those big announcements will be revealed there as well. Uh, but we're very excited to be able to have the show back for our ninth year at San Diego Comic-Con. It's crazy that we get to be a part of this every single year. And we're so grateful that San Diego always invites us back. Uh, so make sure you guys listen to that coming up next week. Uh, our live show from San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, if you guys aren't listening to the other two podcasts we've been working on, the JWAP podcast, our production company's podcast, uh, really just following as we're working on new films, our short series, Screams from the Dark, Bundy Manor, and our upcoming uh, film, Demonetize. Uh, we aren't going to be able to cover some of that because of the current writer strike as well as the uh, as well as the SAG after strike. Uh, some of those rules are going to kind of make it sticky of what we can cover, but we're working with both unions right now to kind of figure out what we can and cannot talk about. So apologies if we can't go into detail on some of that. We want to respect our, our, our fellow union uh, union brethren and sisters and be able to make sure that we're able to, uh, to, to respect everybody uh, on the picket lines. We've, of course, spent plenty of time out on the picket lines as well, and we want to make sure that we're doing everything correctly on this as these films get ready to switch over to union productions. And so it's very important to us that we keep all of that covered here. So, but again, please join us if you're in San Diego, Thursday, July 20th. 1 to 2 p.m. at the Neil Morgan Auditorium for On The Mic Podcast Live. Follow the JWAP Podcast as well as our podcast that covers the supernatural, the void unknown. Looking for proof that ghosts and the supernatural are real. It's a very fun podcast that Alex and I have been doing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that uh, we've had a lot of great feedback from our ghost stories. Looking for things in the ocean, aliens, our upcoming episode on the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff within the realm of the supernatural. 
But thank you for joining me on this episode. Thank you to Rob Cutner for taking the time to sit down and chat with me about Snot Goblins and his upcoming signing here. So we look forward to seeing you guys this Thursday. Go visit Rob again on Friday, and we will see you guys at San Diego Comic-Con. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week. It's uh, it's good. It's good to see you again, though, because it's been, I mean, since uh, pre-COVID, <laughs> since yeah, we've, yeah, since we've connected. I guess it would have been Last 2019 yeah. Comic Con. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's a long time ago. So, I mean, you've been up to a lot since things at Conan ended. Tell me a little bit about what you've been what you've been doing since. Um, I've been, yeah, a couple of things. I've been in TV. I've been trying to move into animation. Uh, I'd been in late night for almost 20 years for Conan and for Jon Stewart. Um, and I was ready to try something that, you know, last a little bit longer than topical jokes, (laughs) (laughs) um, monologue jokes. And, uh, and I was really into animation. And so, um, I've been doing some freelance writing for some shows like Teen Titans Go and Ben 10 and Angry Birds. And, um, and then trying to sell some of my own, uh, come pretty close in a couple of cases. I, I sold something and then. They got rid of the whole. They got rid of the executives and had a merger. Of, <laughs> of like course, every, of course. That's how it always goes. Like every every other week. <laughs> but so um, and then I've also been doing some um, I teach sketch writing uh at LMU Loyola Marymount University Film School in LA, and then I also um, I sort of ended up kind of being writing books, uh, not necessarily by design, but that sort of things just drifted my way, uh, more or less. Um, so I have a um, well, we'll talk about the one I'm promoting right now eventually, but um. Uh, I wrote uh, a humor book a couple of years ago and then um, and then I published that, that graphic novel, I think, which is when we met when I was coming to Comic-Con. Yeah, with then, uh, um, Shrinkage. Shrinkage, right. Right. Very good. Um, and then I, I, I think you know this, but uh, I uh, I wrote on the um, for the um, the ant, the latest Ant-Man movie. No, I don't think I did know that. Oh, I'm not allowed to talk too much about it, but I can just tell you that I confirmed that I did it. But (laughs) um, (laughs) on the latest uh, anime movie, you know, so Scott Lang is reading his memoirs. Yeah. At the beginning, he's reading his celebrity memoirs of being Ant-Man, all that. So, um, so they're making a real book out of that. And I ghost wrote that. So that's coming out in September. Oh, I've Uh, I've actually pre-ordered that on Amazon. (laughs) Oh man. Thank you. (laughs) You're going to keep my family paying rent this month. Um, yeah, I, I'm, much I'm always in the Rob and the Rob Cutner uh, pocket. I mean, oh, I mean, Cutner. Yes, so. <laughs> big, big Cutner pocket, big Cutner. Um, so, I, so I got to write that, and then, um, and then I have, uh, and then I have uh, with this publishing graphic novel publishing company, I have my own title coming out, and then I have a trilogy based on one of their characters that is coming out over the next few years. This is kids graphic novel stuff. So, um, and then I just signed a contract to write um, sort of a comedic version of uh, comedic retelling of Jewish history. Um, so oh, I'm sort awesome. of, I haven't been like trying to be a book author. I've been, you know, but like just various random connections to my life have sort of resurfaced and I don't know, I don't know why, but anyway, that's, that's, how I've been keeping busy. And, you know, in a way that's been sort of good because during the strike, it's keeping me busy doing other stuff. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's so much. It's, it's gotta almost be hard to keep track of so much going on. I feel like I'm busy and I mean, all of that is so much just over the last three three and a half years or so yeah yeah there's a lot to keep track of yeah so the last time that that we chatted on the podcast uh we kind of talked about how you got into late night mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm intrigued on the shift to animation and stuff because mm-hmm. like you said you want something that's not so topical with the monologue jokes and something that's gonna have a little bit more stay 
what what was it that fascinated you to kind of make that shift into animation? Um, I think it was a combination of, um, well, I started writing narrative samples, uh, you know, like spec scripts and that sort of thing and sending to my agents. And they, you know, when I started getting back with the feedback, they were like, you think about making this one animated? And they started, people started identifying that I had this kind of sensibility that I think it was a little bit off kilter, which I think you're familiar with already. Um, <laughs> and um, a little bit more surreal. And, you know, I also have kids, as I mentioned, and I was watching a lot of stuff with them. And like, some of it is pretty good and some of it is shit. And, you know, so I'd like to see more good than shit put in the world. <laughs> and so I think it was like, and and then I, I also kind of looked back at my coding career and I looked at some of my jokes and I realized like a lot of my jokes would have like, an anthropomorphic pencil, you know, spoke up or like, I was like, <laughs> there's all these like weird cartoony things that are kind of short of my work. So I sort of felt like this thing had been buried in me and I hadn't really realized it. And then as I started like really exploring, I was like, oh, I really like writing this way. It's just more imaginative and, you know, kind of unbounded in a different way than the sort of live action world, which can be, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff in live action, don't get me wrong, but you know, there's also a lot of just sort of sitcoms that are kind of similar to each other and that sort of thing. And, and I also really things about that don't, relate to my life you know like young people dating or like you know corporate workplaces and stuff like that it just wasn't interesting to me but like you know sci i like sci-fi stuff i like monsters I like supernatural things and you can do those in animation or at least it's more welcome i think or if you do it in live action it's going to cost too much <laughs> yeah as i i talked <laughs> to one of my terrible. friends that was developing a show at one point for nickelodeon and she was telling me this was kind of still kind of the height of the pandemic and she was like, if you could figure a way like to start doing stuff animated, like when we do have these disruptions, yeah, like animations where it's going to always kind of fall back on. Yeah. And I hadn't thought of it that way because we can do so much more and we don't have to. I mean, so many of the big like Fox animated shows kind of shows they all went home and yeah. did yeah. and did they everything. Did and, remotely. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can really can do so much. I know when I had the guys from Brickleberry. Uh, on the mm. podcast years ago they were like yeah like we we can't show a guy getting blown up really on tv but the cartoon does it like it's it's no big deal we can we totally. can do whatever we want and yeah it it is so much fun it's it's i've even taken a stab at writing some animated specs oh yeah because i've been so obsessed with bob's burgers and mm -hmm. the great mm -hmm. north and that mm -hmm. and the great north finally did one which my wife was like why would you think they wouldn't have just done this one uh, <laughs> since it takes place in alaska uh, I used to go up to Alaska all the time with my grandpa oh, yeah. and uh, he would take us up there fishing and in uh, Talkeetna, they have what's called the moose dropping festival. Mm -hmm. And it is literally a celebration of moose poop. <laughs> so like you can buy like petrified moose poop earrings and everything. And <laughs> it, it's the weirdest thing. And so I was writing a spec on that. That was the last one I was working on. And then sure enough, this past season, the great North did that. And I was like, <laughs> it, it's <laughs> but, happened to all of us. Yeah. But it's so animation is a lot of fun because you can just do just the silliest, the silliest things with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and I think like, like you said too, like not just the silliest, but like just regular things that they wouldn't let you, you know, like if you watch a show like King of the Hill, like imagine if those were real actors, like they wouldn't <laughs> let someone who looks like Hank Hill be an actor, a lead on a show. You have to like be weirdly handsome in some way or, you know, yeah. those people look like real people, you know, from a Texas town because they, they're drawn. And so we accept that. We mentally accept that. Somehow it'd be like the Bob king of the hill on, yeah, yeah. Somehow it'd be like the king of the hill on the CW or something like that. <laughs> king. And, yeah, and, and Hank would be just some chiseled guy that actually has a butt. And right. <laughs> the boy ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been meaning to do a king of the hill rewatch, and that's just more of a 
more. We more were watching. We were watching it with my kid a, a little while ago, and it, it really, except for a few like references here and there, it like really holds up, like uniquely and stuff. My wife has never seen it, and it's one of those. Sometimes um, I have to keep going back. We're like having grown up, like me growing up in Utah, my wife Idaho, and then Utah. Like mm-hmm. being in such conservative environments, mm-hmm. it was always like a lot of those cartoons were forbidden. Uh, right, even when right, my dad right. tried to say no Simpsons at first, we'd walk in his room and he was laughing and watching the Simpsons. <laughs> so that that lasted like a week. <laughs> and all of us were obsessed. So I tried telling Matt Groening that story. And he was just like, well, your dad did the right thing. <laughs> it's like, I wouldn't let my kids probably watch it at that age. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't, didn't work. Wait, what, what age are you talking about for you? Oh, I mean, I was five or six. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was already like obsessed yeah <laughs> well you know the thing about Simpsons is like you don't get the risque stuff you don't really get it just goes over your head because it's just fun to watch yeah. and it's wacky and you know physical and stuff and bart's very relatable but you can miss that stuff entirely you know yeah there there's a, there's a joke that i always think of that they had done in there that totally went over my head as a kid and years later when i saw the episode again it's grandpa simpson's walking home and he picks up a condom wrapper and she goes latex condom I'd like to live in one of those sometime. And <laughs> I always just like, I laughed at it because it just seemed silly. Like I was just thinking, small, oh, it's right? a rapper. Right. And then like realizing the layer joke of it, I was like, wow, that was, I laughed at it as a dumb kid, not understanding any of the context. That. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what was the first animated program that you ended up working on, you know, kind of post late night that really started to kind of spawn into more things here? Well, I mean, when you say, do you mean my own or did I work for other people's like the uh, both. existing? Um, you know, so uh, um, I think the first, like the first script I had to do was, uh, I got to do was uh, for Teen Titans Go. And that was um, because that show is like almost completely freelance written. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't think it used to be. I mean, that's that's often the case in animation nowadays. I mean, I, frankly, that's what they're trying to drive the rest yeah. of TV until right now. That's why we're sort of on strike. They're trying to take the animation model, which is cheaper and spread that across the industry. Um, so that was my little political aside. I have to put in for a <laughs> mandate is mandate is straight content. I, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Your shirt isn't enough, but um, so uh, yeah. So um, I, I, I met the guys from that and you, um, you pitch a ton of ideas to them. And then if you're lucky they'll like one or two of them, and then you go on with them and you discuss it with them, they completely, you know, overdo or overwrite uh, their much better version of kind of the idea you had. And then you go off and write the script and they kind of, you know, add their own jokes and stuff to that. So um, I think that got me like into watching a lot of stuff on Cartoon Network. And, you know, as I said, I was watching stuff with my kids. So it wasn't like it was um, foreign territory, but I think there's that whole, it's in that whole sweet spot of like, you know, what they call co-viewing where it's like, it really is like the Simpsons, like you're saying, like it really appeals to people at an older level, you know, like that show Gumball, you've probably seen that show. Yeah. Like some of those cartoon networks, which I'm really sad about the loss of cartoon network for that reason is they had that really, really specific thing where like grownups could watch those shows and they were really kind of clever and, and weird in a way that grownups appreciated that not anyone until Adult Swim, I think had been doing until then, but kids also liked, which was really ingenious. And so, I was really kind of hooked on that kind of, you know, sort of thing. And then also like adult animation was starting to come into its own. So we're talking about just, you know, about five years ago. So things were really, Bojack and, you know, Rick and Morty and all these things were coming up that were like pretty sophisticated and, you know, pretty out there. And I'd had, as I said, I'd had scripted ideas for narrative that were adults and, but they were weird cutner ideas. And so (laughs) it looked like there was starting to be a market for that. So um, 
Um, and so I, you know, so I, 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 I had this one kind of weird idea, kind of a, I don't want to spell it because I'm trying to sell this IP right now. It was the thing I sold to sci-fi, but I'm trying to develop it again. So I'm going to keep it discreet, but basically it was sort of a really wacky sci-fi idea. It had to do with smart technology. Okay. And I was kind of really into it and I sort of pitched it as different kinds of things to different places. And I got different pieces of feedback from different places. And then I started to kind of refine it. And then I got some talent on board and then I got a, a showrunner, animation showrunner. And then, um, and then, uh, then a friend of mine who really liked my work was at a production company that was small and scrappy. And, and, and so they optioned it. So they had enough money to, to pay an artist from a legit show to do the character design. So it was a kind of a long process. Like we really kind of built it piece by piece, but I was just, I had this idea and I just sort of to make an idea into a TV show, there's a whole, you know, there's all kinds of hoops to jump through and all kinds of considerations. So, so I finally made it into a pitch and then we went and that's the, the sci-fi one. Um, and in the meantime, I started revisiting some ideas I'd had in the past. Like I was like, is this a comic book? Is this a story? And if it felt like it could be a TV series, you know, with, as they say, with legs, you know, with a lot of ideas and places to go with it, then I would sort of explore it further. And, and I, and it really was like, um, I didn't limit myself to just like adult or just to kids. It was just, you know, whatever the idea was, it would sort of feel like there was a natural audience for it. And so, you know, I don't want to kind of categorize myself. Yeah. You've got to let those ideas just kind of free flow and what it is, what it is. It's yeah. the, the story is key and who's going like for this? kids. It's meant for kids. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So when it came to something like Teen Titans Go, you have so many different personalities throughout that show. Did you have a particular character that was kind of the fun one uh, to write lines and jokes for? Oh, that's a good question. Um, wow, because they're all kind of like fun in different ways. Yeah. Um, I actually have to say, I think in a way, um, I mean, you know, you know, there's like different kinds of fun, I guess is a better way to answer the question. So like with, with Beast Boy, you've got the just like, like the, what's the most ridiculous brain fart like what's the stupidest what what's the stupidest person you know what would they say right now in this situation <laughs> like who doesn't really give a shit and then you've got like starfire which is like like i'm going to have fun with phrases you know i'm going to phrase things in this really stilted way and like have this really weird alien perspective on things on earth like which is kind of interesting to me and then but i think i think probably the funnest in a way is kind of robin because uh because he's so far removed from the reality like his like his image of himself you know it's like any of those classic like will ferrell comedies yeah. like the person who's so the, the the white male let's just say it the, the confident white male <laughs> who's so who's so overconfident and so unqualified and is so far removed from what's actually happening this, with this reality situation like that's just always like a great comedy engine i think so yeah I, I i i mainly just wanted to hear you say robin so nah, it's, a, it's 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 I was a, right it, i was correct it's, it's it's a it's a selfish thing as a tim drake i always try to i always try to uh to get the get people to just say it's robin Yes, so I, whatever the question doesn't even matter what we're talking. <laughs> What's I your favorite songbird? <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> who's your favorite Howard Stern co-host? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when James Gunn came to the studio and, and said his favorite was Damian Wayne, I took great offense. I took that as workplace harassment. So wow, <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, that's 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 not okay. But that is that is a James Gunn choice if I've ever heard one. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when when it came to uh, you know building into animation and things uh and then you kind of start branching off into writing books and stories and things like that how do how do you kind of choose as you're developing a story if you feel like it's going to be more of a script or if you see it going more into a novelization or into comic books um okay well there's a couple of things i mean one of them is like if it's um if it is really like 
just one sort of story that's kind of self-contained you know i think i would think about it as like a book or a graphic novel for example like so like shrinkage like shrinkage has a very like high concept you know epic story but it's like it's so crazy and convoluted that it's not going to happen every week sort of thing yeah um you know, it's these these people get shrunk and, and injected into the president's brain to fight off tiny aliens who've invaded the president's brain. So it's a microscopic cosmic battle inside. You know, so that's like a pretty crazy story right there. And it has a whole like arc to it. And do they succeed or not? Like, there's only so much you're going to do with that. And then I think with other stories that and so in a way, like the premise in that sense, the premise kind of drives that this, the, the format of the, the genre of that, I guess. Um, whereas I think other ones, it might start more from the characters. Like if it starts from the characters, who are going to have a lot going on and a lot of conflicts with each other and are going to have a lot of goals, then it sort of lends itself to series. So like the sci-fi one <laughs> is an idea where the goal was so nebulous, if that makes sense, that that it could be attempted a bunch of different ways and that most of the comedy would be between the characters kind of knocking heads. And so you could see that would just be a series. I mean, you could obviously just make one story out of it, but you know, I think when you have like, you know, when you find a bunch of characters that are going to be funny together, then you kind of want to, the idea is you want to keep them around together as much as you can versus the other one, you know, if you have an idea for a story, I think then the characters have to be good, but it's like the story has to be served first. If that answers your question. Yeah. You know, it, it totally doesn't like I, I mentioned earlier too. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you hit that again. The story has to come first. So that's, it's something, even with some of the films that the company I work with is, have been working on. It's one of those things that we even butt heads with sometimes is all of us are producers and having to look at the, look at the budgets and stuff and go, mm-hmm. look, I, I don't care. That's what the budget, the story has got to come first. So right, right. we, we got to figure out another way around it. Like the story is key and that's, that is where we're going with this. Yeah. We, we forget that too often. Yeah. So now when it came to also kind of making that shift from late night into animation and then to comic books, every one of them has a different, a different writing template. Mm-hmm. So as, as it goes with the structure and uh, on the comic book side, especially so we're we're getting ready to make a big announcement uh, during part of our panel at Comic Con mm-hmm. uh, with a new project where we, I've had to be learning how okay this is comic book structure now and yeah, setting it up by panels and yeah was it hard for you to kind of make the transition from late night style writing into animation into comic books? That's a great question. Um, less so the first one because I had you know as I said I'd already been sort of trying to write scripts uh, samples for my agent stuff like that you know I've been doing that for a long time yeah. uh, even though I was, even though I'm in late night you know I started out actually wanted to be a sitcom writer so I had started writing some spec scripts at the very beginning of my career and then the opportunity showed up in late night so I went off down that path but I've written scripts so that that's not as big a deal I would say a bigger change it's something I was used to that formatting um Plus there's final draft. You just keep hitting tab and it formats it for you basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but comic books are really interesting. Um, one thing that was really helpful was, you know, Peter David, great comic book writer. Uh, he has a really good book on that. And uh, I'm a big fan of his writing. And um, that kind of set my head straight about, you know, a lot of what works and doesn't work in the writing of them. And um, I talked with the, uh, uh, Brian Posehn and Jerry Dugan, if you know them, like they we would a Deadpool and Jerry's kind of a rock star in 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 superhero comics right now and stuff. Um and uh they gave me a couple of pieces of advice on like how to structure like the like the drama and like how the pages work and stuff like that. And then also, but I think also what, what's really interesting is that comic books are kind of like almost like watching a, a like a scene with like a strobe light. Like it flashes on and off yeah. and it keeps coming on. Each panel is like the strobe light is coming on and something else has changed and people have moved on. Something's different about it. So it's just a different way of thinking about, about time. Like 
how much time has passed in one of these panels? What kind of time jump do you do to the next one? How much, what's the bare amount of, because you have so much little space, what's the the minimum amount of information that you have to impart and how can you do it the most concisely? Um, and then also just like, how do you, how do you do pacing? You know, right. And the script is just like things happen at a natural pace or you do cuts or, you know, when they make the movie or the show out of it, they add, you know, a soundtrack to it. But with comic books, you have to kind of control the pacing yourself. So you're like, how much do you want to happen on a page? And also like, there's a limited number of panels. Like, I think it's usually like, they say like six panels a page. Yeah. Or do you want to do one of those big splash pages as they call it, where it's just a full page spread, like, and you can, you, you can play around with them, which is fun. So it's different, different ways of thinking about how much time passes, how fast and how much, how many little pieces of an event have to happen to build up to the event, and, you know, what you want to focus on and what you don't want to. So um, I would say that was pretty hard for me at first. And I would have a lot of um, trouble starting up and kind of switching gears and, you could see that from like my Twitter account because I was just procrastinating and just noodling <laughs> around. And, and, but then like the thing is like once you kind of switch your brain into it, then it becomes really fun and you don't want to stop because it's a whole different way of thinking about it. But it's hard. It's like a really different, any other kind of writing I've ever been trained to do. Yeah. And, and even, even brainstorming when it comes to things like comic books, because you know, I mean, with any script, you want them to be turning to the next page and getting them involved. Yeah. But with a comic book, it has more immediacy where it's just like, I've got six panels and I have to get them at six panels to want to turn to the next page. And well, then that's the next yeah, that's, six panels. That's that's what Brian and Gary and, and Jerry were telling me was like, it's like, you want to like, you got to make them turn the page, like the page turn, like the thing at the very last panel, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be like an incredible cliffhanger, but it has to be something that's like, you know, either intriguing or an oh shit or a uh, wait, what, you know, something like something that catches your attention is that you're so curious in one way or another that you have to turn the page. And like, so you structure you know, a two page spread of, of comics with that intention that when they get to, if you want me to get technical, they call it the recto page, the right hand <laughs> page versus the left, the recto page, but in the recto page, you want something to happen in the story where they're going to, it's going to sort of elevate things. They're going to have to like turn to the next page. So that is a great way of thinking about how to structure those stories. Yeah. I, I think too. And, wh- and I think you, what was the book you had mentioned that, that was a great one. Uh, just so others can uh, look it up uh what, what yeah, i think you said from peter peter david oh peter david yeah i think it's just it's something really boring like comic book writing or something like writing for comic <laughs> books it's like it's not that it's not as interesting as anything else he writes but i mean it's a very straightforward title but it's the only book he's written i think and so i recommend yeah. that for people who are yeah i mean diving diving into that at least at least for me when we started really getting into the nitty-gritty of understanding it mm-hmm. unlike other type of like screenwriting books and things like that I, I do think it is more fascinating too to read some of those books on writing for comics because there is so much that like you're having to understand the imagination behind it. Mm-hmm. Really, even with those, you're having to turn page to page. And some of those that I got were like reading like people's uh, different comic scripts. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. fun to look at the panel setups and things like that mm-hmm. as opposed to like, all right, well, I've got 90 pages of this feature and, uh, Mm-hmm. We're just going to dive right in. It's definitely a different beast to even just read. Uh, yeah. Which- and they're also like, they're usually like shorter too. It's like a shorter read than, um, than a screenplay would be because you don't have as much the dialogue has to be lesser, right. Per yeah. panel, like each little scene, like, like Peter David has some, I think it's like 25. It's he's like, tw- don't do more than 25 words per panel. Something like that. He has some like a couple of like benchmarks for numbers. And so you got to keep it like that. And then like, and then there's also different variations on how much description you give the, the illustrator. Like you might like, you know, put a ton of description in, in some cases, and some you might not, depending on how 
what kind of illustrator it is. So sometimes it can be very simplistic. You know, it's like they fight, <laughs> <laughs> they fight. Batman wins. You know, <laughs> the illustrator just goes to town on that. So now you mentioned some of Shrinkage. We've talked about Shrinkage on here before. Very fun comic for uh, people to pick up. Uh, is it still available on Comicsology? I'm not sure that it is actually anymore because I think they've they've changed a lot on there. Uh, uh, I think you can get it from my website. <laughs> <laughs> from my website from robcutner.com. Uh, I haven't actually checked uh, lately, but I think uh, I think it wasn't featured on there anymore. It was on there for a bunch of years, but yeah. E- uh, either way, as long as people jump on your website and can get a copy of it, there you so go. It is a very fun read. Uh, but you're the new one that uh, mm-hmm. that you're going to be down at San Diego Comic Con uh, mm-hmm. with uh, called Snot Goblins. Mm-hmm. So now this is this is one geared toward kids. But even as we were talking about how some of those things for kids have plenty of jokes for the adults. Yeah, uh, and sure. which there are so many throughout this. Uh, I laughed very hard at the cholesterol on a stick in the background. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you. You you went for the Easter egg. I like it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I I always background jokes mm-hmm. are my favorite. One one of yeah. the times at San Diego Comic Con at the Simpsons panel, uh, the question I had asked was what their favorite background jokes were. Oh, because that is all I will just. What did they say? Um, so many choices. How could they even? There decide? were so many. Uh, like I fed them one. One of my favorites is there's Marge opens a uh, a cabinet and there's a blue box of crystal math. So yeah. <laughs> to help Bart focus, crystal math. <laughs> uh, but, you, but it's I, not a joke. You just see it, right? You just see yeah. It you just kind of see it yeah. sitting there. And, That's amazing. Uh, there was another one. I think it was a Trails of Horror one, possibly that was. I think it was Matt Silverman that said it. That was like Blood Bath and Beyond. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as one of them. I can't, I can't, there's a few, I can't remember what the other ones were now. So it's been, it's been several years, but yeah, I always look for those. So yeah, when I saw like the cholesterol on a stick, that gave me a, that one gave me a really good laugh, but tell me how snot goblins came about. Cause it is such a unique uh, premise to this and something that as soon as, as soon as I got into like the third or fourth page, I was like, all right, so I have to get this for each one of my nieces because this is. <laughs> right up all of their alleys <laughs> oh that's great great so You're and my and my brother and sister will love reading it to their kids too so but oh, it's gonna amazing. be a fun read for them so the tim yeah, tell me how this came effect. about <laughs> uh, i just wanted i'll put the cover up here just to show people get the vibe of it a little oh. bit so um basically uh it great came about is um i freelance uh for there was a reboot of mad magazine a couple of years ago actually uh, got out of uh, burbank as well yeah um, when DC bought them, and uh, and I ended up collaborating with this artist named David DeGround, who is is uh, who's incredibly he he does things for uh, the Simpsons comics, for SpongeBob comics, and you know he really does it all. And and he has this he has this you know you almost a quintessential Man Magazine style. Yeah, very much here. so. Yeah, and so we were just we were just very simpatico creatively, and um, and he'd been he's kind of in demand as a as a kids illustrator, and he was approached by people looking for a kids graphic novel idea. And, you know, he came to me and said, do you guys have some idea that we could propose together as a team? And he said, um, he said, I just have this idea for like just a book of gross stories called Snot Goblins. And that was all he had. And then he had like an idea. He had, um, I'll, I'll tell you in a, in a second if you, if you want to hear how it, it got really crazy. How, of course. Where, where one of the things went. But um, and then this, he had that idea for Snot Goblins. And we just came up with like five sort of like log lines, you know, just like summaries ourselves for what the stories would be that we could agree on. He had one called um, uh, the Vampire, 
So it was a vampire who didn't like to bite people. So he hit him on the head with a mallet and then licked the blood off of their. <laughs> now, see, that just feels like a very 90s Conan joke as well. It, it, it is very Conan. It is. It is. <laughs> And so, so he brought, he brought that to me and I, and I, and, and I always go, I, I have a thing called overthinking where I just go in so deep on something. And I thought that's like the dumbest idea ever, but like, what if you, what I love to do is, and this is why I work for Conan is like, what if you combine dumb things with smart things, right? With yeah. Low level. High level. So it's like, what, what, how could you make something like that into like sort of an epic, like kind of deep or at least seemingly deep uh, story. And so that's, that's the second story that the vampire, which is the, the, the bleeding heart vampire which is this this immigrant tale about a vampire from the old world from Romania whose family doesn't accept him because he's he's too tenderhearted to bite people. He has to drink blood and doesn't <laughs> want to bite. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. So they think he's a wuss and he's violating vampire tradition. So he moved to the new world. This is like early 20th century America, like all the immigrants moved to the Lower East Side and finds his sort of fortune in like early 20th century America. He and Thomas Edison go into business. Um, so it's sort of a panoramic view of like history and with an immigrant story with that just came out of this like really sort of very silly idea about a vampire who doesn't like follow the vampire code. Um, so that's the way David and I work, I think with these, with these stories. And um, what we agreed on was that it would be five stories that have like horror tropes. They're based on horror tropes. So I said, vampire, the goblins, there's mummies, ghosts, all this stuff. Um, but you know, comedic, like, you yeah. know, hotel Transylvania type comedy horror, like not actually scary. So, you know, funny angles on horror tropes. Um, like there's one about, internet trolls taking on actual uh, cave trolls, like in it, in it, having a big war, that sort of thing. Um, and then what we both agreed on was that they would all have their emphasis on gross things and substances and icky things. And, you know, again, this is, this is how David draws. He draws in this way that like this tactile style where like substances and oozy things are just like his, you know, his bread and butter. So um, we were always going for that. And we were kind of aiming for that kind of Captain Underpants vibe where it's just like, it's just a little bit kind of naughty and improper and like a lot of like teachers and librarians won't like it and won't, uh, <laughs> won't approve of it. Some parents won't, but kids will like, like it all the more so because of that, because it's a little bit, you know, ris risque for kids. Yeah. So, so it's, um, it's funny yeah, you so mentioned Captain Underpants though, because as I was reading through it, that was the exact vibe I got from it was Captain Underpants. So yeah, well, yeah, it has that very yeah. similar feel to, to it. Well, my kids, my kids love those books um my son would, would read them over and over again and i enjoyed reading it with them. and also again like you said i like reading it with them when you, when yeah. it's something where the parents like to be with the kids and i think everybody wins um and in fact it was so popular in my daughter's third grade class do you remember the, the captain underpants book where they gave everyone where the, the, there was a guide to give you a code name a captain underpants code name like no if your first if, if, your, if your first name starts with the letters a through you know through j then your first name is your first code name is booger if your last name starts with like you know j through l then then your middle name is Poop. So you, you get like a name like <laughs> Snotty McPooper Pants or something would be like your your Captain Underpants code name. So those were so popular that in my third grade daughter's, uh, my daughter's class in third grade, they banned them. They said, no Captain Underpants names allowed. And I was like, that is what you want as a kid's author. The thing that everybody yeah. wants to do that's not allowed. <laughs> when, when I was, right when I graduated high school, I actually worked at an elementary uh, for a program that like kids struggled with reading. Mm -hmm. uh, where I'd help them read. And it was actually Captain Underpants books that I would bring usually ah. like by like the fifth and sixth graders yeah. uh, that <laughs> I would bring up to them to be like, nah, this is. And I remember like a pretty prominent, like religious leader within like the neighborhood I grew up 
still to this day tells my parents about how his kid loved uh, always having me as a teacher because I always gave him the Captain Underpants uh, books. And he amazing. thought it was just so ridiculous that that's what I was giving him. But it's like, this is 20 years ago now. <laughs> that's still, wow. That's, that's still that's somehow cool stuck with them. <laughs> right. Well, that's what you want is you want like the sort of cool teachers or cool librarians to kind of like slide it over to the kid with a wink. You know, yeah. It's, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm glad that for at least with one kid, I could be like, yeah, we were at Captain Underpants. That was pretty... That, that was pretty risque, I guess, for Utah. You, you changed the life. You changed the life in Utah. You probably made that kid move out of Utah, probably. <laughs> if I, I sure hope I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like with snot goblins, I can I can totally see this being something that that kids are rushing to in like a school library, assuming that there's actually books on their shelves. And, uh, I'm hoping it gets banned in Florida because I think that could really help with sales. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could just market it as already banned in Florida. Ah! <laughs> Why am I even waiting? Of course, that's genius. Who's gonna Who's gonna contradict that? <laughs> I rem- I remember a uh, a book I had I had co written years ago that's now out of print. On the cover, we had quotes by like Letterman and Conan and like several of them that all looked, but it was like the middle of quotes. <laughs> and then at the bottom underneath it, it just said, all taken out of context. <laughs> ah, that's great. <laughs> so that people would look at the book and be like, wow, look at this. And yeah, none of them were <laughs> about, <laughs> about that's, the that's book. Genius. So now with, with Snot Goblins, as you guys are doing this, as you're doing the signing at San Diego Comic-Con, who, what, what kind of audience do you expect to see uh, coming through there? Because Comic-Con doesn't have a lot of kids necessarily. Right, but I, right. again, this appeals to so many. Uh, so, so what 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 do you look at when you're going to going to an event like Comic Con as your kind of key demo there? I have to be honest; it's just Comic Con is. I mean, it'll be interesting this year, but Comic Con is just sheer quantity. Yeah, it's just a sheer flood of bodies, but it's bodies who are curious and weird and open minded and like funny, you know, out there things. And yeah. so, I mean, like. You know, Shrinkage like is an indie comic. Well, it was made by a startup publisher. It wasn't anyone big, and you know, it was so small that in fact we, um, I forget if you if you came to my table then, but um, but uh, it was a uh, we we shared a table. We shared our booth with like a, a Doctor Who steampunk. Oh no, steampunk I do remember that one. Of, I know one of the years I stopped by, and I do remember. That. Remember that it was like all these like monocles yeah. and like 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 leather helmets and stuff like that, like right next to us with the, with a bunch of books. So it's this little dinky startup publisher and. Um, so who am I, you know, and this is the middle of the, the comic floor, which is like gargantuan, right? Like they could land a C5 in there. Yeah. And uh, so there's so many things, but all these people would come by. We have a big poster and all these people would come by because like, oh, that artwork looks cool. And uh, and I would kind of like, someone would say like, hey, do you like Conan O'Brien? And people come over because they like Conan O'Brien. They talk to me. And so it was like, like that kind of sales environment doesn't really happen almost anywhere else. Like even like, even like, you know, other I've been to other cons like Long Beach and stuff like that. And you know, there's not as many people and some people are interested and some people are not, but like Comic-Con is so overwhelming with people who are just there to buy things and take everything in. It's like a, a buffet, you know, for them that you get a real, like, I think you get this level of enthusiasm and openness to whatever you have. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that anyone who come by, will will see the, uh, we'll see the artwork. I mean, intrigue. we're going to probably like try to do some cutout life-size cutouts of the characters. Uh, oh, that's people fun. Do have, people can take their picture with it david if uh david will design that we'll cut it out in cardboard so people will catch people will see it i mean we're also at the um we're at the table for the publisher first second 
okay. uh, the graphic novel imprint of Macmillan, which is which which you know ranges in age, but like um, you know they have a good, pretty good imprint and some young adult titles. Like they do the Shannon Hale books and um, American Born Chinese, if you know that book. Like yeah, some really they some really popular. Just young made it into a show too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um. Uh. So they they do they do kind of more of a range of of ages. I think at that one. And so, yeah, I think it won't be as many kids as there were to be at like a kid's event, but you know, I think there's a lot of people like you and me, Tim, who are basically still kids at heart Yeah, <laughs> and, or have a kid or a niece or a nephew. They're like, Oh, this is the gift for my, my weirdo nephew who loves to like, you know, make slime and then pretend to drink it and then pretend to poop it. And then no one else thinks that's funny, but he does. <laughs> this is his book. I mean, everyone has, is either that person at Comic-Con or has someone in their family like that. So I'm just hoping that like anybody that loves a good snot tidal wave, like this is, I this mean, is the book for you. What's not to love? <laughs> Hangton. Yeah. It's, it's fun to going around, you know, just walking up and down each one of the, of the uh, alleys in a, in any convention and just looking at each artist and looking at each each uh, comic author and there have been so many over the years where i didn't expect to you know spend money in certain areas where yeah i did just i like how it looked even people that i inter i've interviewed at some of them over the years uh jim hillen uh and i can't even remember his book now it was, it was about rabbits and i interviewed him about this because this book looked cool it looked funny it was unique mm -hmm. and then afterwards i looked him up and the guy's work like he's been nominated for oscars <laughs> like and i'm like i had no idea this but you didn't know who he was at the time you just hey, i had no idea who he was i just liked the comic book that he was selling and it was just funny and unique and and so that is, that is kind of the joy of of comic-con it's just uh, you have a you have a good product you have something that's eye-catching and yeah the art on that is fantastic like it's it's going to grab people right away and so even even pushing the conan and the daily show and some of that aside it still is going to grab people, uh, whether they know you from that. And also, or not. like you know, also those books are kind of in a certain area, like this publishers. So, like people yeah. who are interested in graphic novels and stuff are going to be walking around that area. Like we're not next, right next to the uh, vintage, you know, Blue Beetle sections <laughs> in the big, in the big <laughs> long boxes. We're not in that section. We're in like the here's publishers making cool new titles thing. So people are kind of going to walk over there. I think anyway, if they. They like that kind of thing. No, I, I get too overwhelmed the big the big box section anyway. As soon as I pull one out, I'm like, I shouldn't be touching this. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to. I'm like, I'll I'll go on Midtown and I'll pop in a Golden Apple later on. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I feel like those that's too out of my out of my league. Yeah, so I always feel like there's somebody like waiting for me to stop touching the box. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just go right over to you guys. It makes it makes it easier on, on me. You're the one we want. <laughs> So after after Comic Con and you know with you guys releasing Snot Goblins, what what is kind of next next up for you now? Um, well, I have uh, actually from first second, I have uh, I can't talk about it yet. I think it's been announced, but I, um, they have uh, they're working with a company that's developing a TV show and has their own IP and has a set of characters, and they're also going to come out with a trilogy of kids books, the same oh, nice. age like elementary age as this book. Um, so I'm writing that. I've written the first one, and it's in production right now and then working on the second one and so those three will be coming out over the next you know a couple of years um and then um you know i had some i had a bunch of tv projects uh i had some pitches and some animated and live action things and um, those have kind of been put on the back burner but i had some i had something i just got ready to take out to hollywood you know when the strike hit so i mean it hasn't been a 
no one's seen it. So, <laughs> so, so, but so, you know, that kind of stuff is on hold right now. Um, that's been putting a lot of my effort. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like, with, as you probably know, like with my career, like you kind of don't necessarily never know what's next up around the bend. You can't quite yeah. predict it. It's, it's, it's the joy of Hollywood of, of finishing one project and then going, okay. Um, what's next? Like right. I, so, sometimes I have to even remind my parents that, what when you're into the production and the development side of things like it's always you're 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 spending more time looking for a job than working the job right right so exactly i, I know right. they even addressed that today in the uh in the uh, sag after press conferences like so much more time is spent unemployed right. especially for actors too yeah yeah especially for actors and yeah. yeah it's it can get tumultuous but it's like you just you just power on and the next thing the next thing comes but you have to have a lot of things going on you know, yeah. at least right. At least writers do. I mean, the way actors go on auditions, it's like masses of them just to get one role. But I mean, same thing with writers. You have to have a lot of projects going on, different connections with people, different things like because you don't know. Also, let's say you go down the road with someone, they may have to hear from a producer or a financier, or they may have to send it to a studio. Like, there's all these things you're always waiting. You know this, right? You're always waiting oh, yeah. for stuff. So instead of being idle, you got to work on something else, and then. You know, you send that, you finish that, send it to someone or, or whatever, wait for something and then you got to work on something else while you're waiting. So there's a lot of like going back and forth. And it's like there's um there's chess masters in Washington Square Park in New York City, like, you know, 10 games going, except way slower. <laughs> it's I mean, it's and I mean, the, the slow speed of it, a lot of us can't sit still. Yeah, I know. Right. Right, exactly. it, it, it caused it caused us to like our our first feature once we signed our distribution deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will be officially announcing the release at comic-con and everything but once we signed that and then we're already like working on some stuff we had a development deal for our next two features and we we're like okay like maybe this is going to go somewhere <laughs> and it was just paperwork on both sides of us and we were just like huh. yep i mean and it caused us to start filming our short series instead <laughs> so it, it was like we couldn't do something still. else yeah like we had to we had to be able to do something else and it was just yeah those, those contracts take so freaking long those contracts take so long to yeah finish. like i think that the um i think the sci-fi project i had to, i think it was in development for not for a, maybe a month or two less than it, it took for the amount of time for just to get the contracts it like took like nine months for the contract <laughs> the deal to close and then i think we were working on it for about six months so <laughs> not the yeah. most efficient process yeah and it's it's, it's always there i had sat in the thing several months ago where we had uh we had one of the uh, old, like he was f- like former counsel for Warner Brothers to mm-hmm. come in and he was like one of the big producers on like all the Batman films and like tons of the other things all throughout the 90s. Mm-hmm. And it was like an hour and a half long thing of him basically explaining how producing worked. Wow. And I like everybody was bored to tears. <laughs> and then somebody afterwards was like, so that's really what you guys do with these? And I was like, yeah, this is also <laughs> why I don't answer the question when people say, so what do you do for work? <laughs> because <laughs> nobody wants to hear all of that contract side because it is just it's just months and months of just like yes okay. imagine like what if what if you showed like a time-lapse camera of someone at their job at one of these jobs it's just like <laughs> yeah that's all it w- it's all it would be right. <laughs> it is yeah it is, it is utter nonsense but it's i mean it's the business we're in and yeah i wouldn't have it other way any other way <laughs> I might have it one other way, but well, I, I mean, I'd have <laughs> it that we it all is. get paid fairly, and uh, we don't. They're not trying to replace us with robots, 
Yeah, but, I would uh, have that first, and then yeah, I'd have that. Then speedier contract second. Before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, Robin they should Ball- have. Uh, honestly, they should have uh, AIs doing that because I think they would do that more efficiently than having the AIs try to do creative writing. <laughs> Doing oh yeah, and stuff. AI could replace executives so much easier than right, right. any one of us. <laughs> so, well, Rob, it's always a pleasure chatting with you and catching up with you. Uh, it's been too long uh, since we last yeah, chatted. Yeah, I'm glad we uh, got to but, do this. But yeah, I, I look forward to, to seeing you at Comic Con and actually seeing you in the flesh uh, instead, instead of just just a little little screen on here. So. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You'll you'll come back and you'll see if I'm right or I'm wrong about the, the big crowds. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what booth number you guys are at? Yeah, we're going to be at first second booth. It's it's table 2800 slash 2802. Okay. 2800 2802. And um, it's um, first second is the publisher and I'll be there on Friday, uh, July 21st at 1230. So, excellent. So and there, there's going to be plenty to see because most of the panels are going to be canceled. So spend your time on the floor and, uh, exactly. and go My find game. Rob. Like it's, it, it, it's easy enough. You now Thank have, you, you now have an obligation to, to go see Rob Got it. <laughs> while, while he's signing. It's not a but, question of if, but when. Yeah, but when. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where, where can everybody find you on social media to kind of stay updated on everything? Um, you can keep track of my projects at, at creatively enough, robcutner.com. Um, that's my website. And um, I'm still on Twitter despite my best efforts um at apocalypse how been there forever i'm also over on threads now just my name rob cutner k and um that's about i don't really do the insta (laughs) it it feels weird to have to to have to promote the the threads like every every time every time i say it i'm just like it's it's gross i was i was happy for there to be some some kind of possibly viable alternative to twitter because it's like there's six other ones and like nobody's on them and i'm like i don't really know so yeah, everybody kept sharing their blue sky, and I'm like, but I need a I need an yeah. invite to join that. Right. And so yeah, exactly. And I felt gross asking for an invite every time someone yeah. was like, come this follow me. Right and I'm there. like, send me an invite. Yeah. <laughs> so well, awesome. Well, we will we will make sure everybody has a way to find you. We'll also post the map so people can see where Thank where you, you are That's at awesome. when they enter enter the uh enter the uh, convention center. And uh yeah, I look forward to seeing you on uh, on Friday next week. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Tim. And congratulations on your news. And I can't wait to, to see the full story. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll give you all the details there. And hopefully, we'll, hopefully, as weird as it is to say, hopefully I'll see you on one of the picket lines soon. So I'm surprised Probably. we have not crossed paths. <laughs> no. Hopefully not too much more of that. Yeah, hopefully not too, too much more of that. But while it's there, hopefully while I'll see you on one of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, take care. All right. We'll see you, Rob. Thanks a lot. All right. Talk to you soon. See you.